My name is Keith Beavers, and oh, thank you for asking. It's Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, The Force Awakens, The Rise of Skywalker, and The Last Jedi. That's the order. Those are the best, and oh, no, no, we don't talk about the prequels. Sorry, I'm still bitter. I had to wait in line for those movies. <laughs> What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 13 of Vine Pair's Wine 101 podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I'm the tasting director of Vine Pair, and I'm sure you're doing great. Hello, big elephant in the room. What's your name? Food and wine pairing. Great. How are you? We got to talk about this guy. It's a big one. It's crazy. But we're going to get through this. It's going to be cool. We'll be fine. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Jay Vineyards and Winery. For over 30 years, Jay Vineyards and Winery has developed a reputation as one of the top sparkling and varietal wine producers in California. With styles from bright and bubbly to bold and complex, Jay Wines offer remarkable range and exceptional craftsmanship that you'll want to share. Jay has come to be known for its celebrated estate vineyards, contemporary winery, and world-class hospitality. Uncork joy with Jay and let life bubble over. I mean, I say it's the elephant in the room because, man, it is the thing I think we all think about, right? When you're having dinner, you're buying wine. When you're having lunch, when you're buying wine. When you're having a picnic, 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 and you're buying wine. When you're going to the movie theater and you're bringing wine in. <laughs> I mean, is there a trick to food and wine pairing? Is this this, what is the secret, you know? Like, what is it? Like, what do we... What is it? Keith, tell us, like, what's the secret? You know what, guys? There is no secret. There is no sort of catch-all phrase or guideline that will help you pair food and wine. I'm sorry. But the good news is that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that there's no right or wrong. How cool is that? Finally, for some once in our life, we have something that's not right or wrong. <laughs> I mean, I once had a restaurant, and... It was well, a wine bar and restaurant, and I had a wine list, and I had a menu, and I was often the guy teaching my staff before the shift of, you know, what specials were happening, and these are the foods and the wine, and these are the wines that'll go with them, and I didn't really tell them, like, guys, you guys understand that this particular part of this dish goes perfectly with this. No, that's not what I did. I kind of just, you know, if you do this for a long time, you kind of just, like, that goes with that, this goes with this, because you experiment. I know you don't want to hear that, so we're going to get into a lot cooler stuff, but, you know, the thing about pairing food and wine is it's really, you could physically do whatever you want. You can pair any food with any wine, do whatever you want, and honestly, if you think it tastes good, then that's a pairing. But there are things you can think about if you want to get nice and, like, really kind of figure out that that nice sort of, like, a that happy, harmonious medium right there. There's some things you can think about. You know, it's interesting because... Where wine comes from, I guess I'd say that now, where grape, the grape vines that we're, we're familiar with, the Vitis vinifera, they're from Europe, and they've been in Europe for a very long time, and there are certain varieties that are kind of native to certain areas of Europe, from France and Germany and Italy and Spain and all that, and it just so happens that in those areas, the food happens to go with the wine. 
in the Loire Valley of France, it's all about goats. Goat meat, goat cheese, and they drink a lot of Cab Franc, and they drink a lot of Sauvignon Blanc with that, and my gosh, is it delicious. You have a certain kind of cow called a Chianine in the Chianti Hills, and having a skirt steak from the Chianine, a steak Florentine with the Chianti is like, forget about it. And this leads into this idea of grow together, go together. Because, you know, the animals and the plants are feeding off, the animals are feeding off the land, the plants are growing from the land, there's all this very kind of symbiotic thing going on here. And when you're in Europe and you're traveling around and you go to these towns and it's, it, you just eat the traditional food and you drink the wine, it just kind of feels right. You never really have to think about pairing so much. Of course, that can change in the urban centers like Paris and Berlin and Rome, but for the most part, that's kind of what Europe is all about. And as Europeans left the continent and came over here and became us <laughs> and started moving west and just occupying and, you know, became the United States, like the, the, the vines that we brought from Europe were not from here. We planted the Vitis vinifera plant here. We didn't force it into the land. Well, sometimes we did. But we, we you know, we planted it here. And there wasn't this grow together, go together thing didn't really, ex I mean, it, it existed, but it wasn't as symbiotic and natural as it was in Europe. So we as Americans have a very different idea of pairing food and wine. We actually, a lot of Americans drink wine and don't eat food with it. Wine is sort of a separate thing, whereas in Europe, it's always part of the meal. And yes, that's a general statement. If any Europeans are listening, I understand that's not necessarily <laughs> the rule, but it just, that's kind of generally how... It splits up. So here in the U.S., it's really kind of a thing where we're really about like, okay, so what is it about the, the, the constituents in the food, this particular dish, and those constituents in the wine? And how do we pair the constituents in the wine and the constituents in the food together so that our, our pairing is seamless? We always want it to be seamless. And I understand that because we're kind of a new, we've only been around for like 240 plus years and we had 10 years of prohibition and we have a, had a lot of work to get back from that. So we're still kind of like figuring out this thing, but we have these, you know, we've had an organic movement. We've had this sort of farm to table movement and that has really helped us enjoy wine and food together. Food is becoming more natural. It's becoming more, less, less manufactured when we drink wine with it. So it's becoming more fun for us to do it. And now we're like, okay, how do we do this? One term I'm sure we're all familiar with is that old adage, white wine with fish and red wine with meat. Now that is a tired, tired sentence, <laughs> but it, it is true. I mean, White wine goes great with fish, and red wine goes great with meat. But that's not, that's not it. I mean, there's so much, so much, so much more, universe more than that. I mean, generally, yes, white wines have, not universally, but tend to have higher acid than red wines. And a lot of fish dishes are, are pretty much often dressed up with a citrus or lemon sauce or like a, a vinegar sauce. And because, and you'll understand this in a second, but that, that does really pair. And meat is very textured. And for red wine, which has bitter tannin in it, that textured meat is 
a good pairing for red wine because t- cooked meat has these things called uncoagulated proteins in them, which combine with tannin and then soften and help the pairing there. But beyond that, something to think about is when we're pairing wine and food, really what we're doing is, yes, the proteins are things like the, the, the fish and the meat. We are, that is a consideration, but really even more than that, it's what we're dressing up the proteins with. What kind of sauce are we putting on the halibut? What kind of glaze are we putting on the steak? What kind of, what are we dressing up that chicken with? And that is where it gets very complicated because when a chef makes a dish, they're putting all different kinds of things in that dish and we have to see, oh my gosh, what is dominating that dish? And if there is a dominant characteristic, we can maybe hone in on that dominance and see if we can pair the wine with that, with that characteristic. And the best way to think about this, again, this is a general idea, is you want to match the dominant thing in the dish with a wine that matches that dominant thing. For example, sweetness in food. This could be, this could be tomato sauce, which has a lot, of, a lot of natural sugar in it. It could be a balsamic glaze. It could be a barbecue sauce. And even though there's, some, there's a lot of savoriness in these, these sauces, there is a dominant natural sugar vibe going on. And the natural sweetness in these foods will increase the perception of the more angular characteristics of a wine on your palate. The wine will seem more, it'll increase the sourness, the bitterness, or the astringency of the wine. So when the sharper elements of a wine are increased on your palate, it's overwhelming and you, the wine will seem less fruity or um, less sweet. Now this could be subtle or this could be intense, but you do, will, you will sense a little more bitterness in the wine. So if you match the sweetness in the food with the sweetness in the wine, it'll mitigate those angular intensities and balance the wine out, letting you enjoy more of the fruit of the wine and more of the kind of sweetness of the wine. Sweetness meaning that just the natural sugar in the wine. And this is where it gets confusing. When I say sweetness, I'm not talking like, like crazy, like, whoa, lollipop. <laughs> not that kind of sweetness. I'm talking about subtle sweetnesses. For example, barbecue sauce. It's very, it can be spicy, it can be savory, but there is a definite significant sweetness to barbecue sauce. Malbec from Argentina is lower in acid and has a significant amount of natural sugar in it. So therefore, that kind of like depth of wine will match the depth of sweetness in the barbecue sauce and the wine won't seem bitter. It'll actually complement by overwhelming the bitter and the sour. It'll still be there, it just won't be as intense. If you were to take that same barbecue sauce and pair it with a Keb Franc from the Loire Valley, which is extremely peppery and has higher acid content, that wine might seem bitter against that sauce because there's not enough sweetness to balance it out. On a more subtle note, Something like tomato sauce, tomato sauce and pasta, you know, some tomato sauce and pasta, it's very, it does have some savory notes to it. But, you know, tomatoes do have good sort of natural sugar, and sometimes actually people add sugar to tomato sauce when they're cooking it. So there's a slight sweetness to it, but it's not as intense as barbecue sauce. 
if you pair a Malbec with the tomato sauce, it would probably work. But because the sweetness of a Malbec is a little bit more intense and the acidity is a little bit lower, it's a little bit heavier, it might overwhelm the dish. The sweetness in a tomato sauce is a little more subtle. So something like a wine from a Sangiovese, like a Chianti with some oak on it, is, is sweet as well. And it matches the subtle sweetness of the tomato sauce, and, it match, and that sort of matches that way. You're matching subtle sweet with subtle sweet, but you're matching sweet. You feel me? How are we guys doing here? Are we okay? We're all right? <laughs> it's kind of intense. I mean, this is, these are the things to think about. Um, since we're talking about sweetness, let's get this out of the way. Chocolate. Oh, man, this, it doesn't work. This chocolate and wine, I know it's romantic. It's the idea of chocolate and wine is so romantic, but it's not a thing. Um, the sweetness in chocolate is so sweet, matching it with a red wine or a white wine doesn't really work so much. What you have to do is you have to find extremely sweet wines like port or dessert wine or an extremely high alcohol red wine, like 15%, because alcohol, like we know, was once sugar, so high alcohol has a perception of sweet to it. But generally, it's just not going to work. Actually, what's I guess the only silver lining in this is, is education. <laughs> you can actually get chocolate and get a regular red wine from just any red wine that's not the ones that I previously talked about, like port or high alcohol red, and do a first-hand thing. You drink you take a sip of red wine, you eat a piece of chocolate, and you will absolutely feel those bitter sour notes just amplifying on your palate. I mean, it won't be like crazy intense, but you're definitely going to feel it. So I'm not really sure where the red wine and chocolate thing came about, but I mean, I understand like chocolate is very sort of like deli- indulgent and red wine feels that way too. And there's a romance to it, but it just doesn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. But if you like port, if you like dessert wine like Vinsanto, then that could work with chocolate. There's a few more things we can think about. For example, you know, I mentioned acid in the Malbec and acid in this. If a, if a dish is dominated by acid, which you know, we were talking about the white, the, the white wine and the fish thing, that, that classic example, uh, citrus sauces like uh, lemon sauce or a vinegar sauce or a grapefruit sauce or or maybe even like cooked radicchio or bitter greens. Foods that have a dominant acid to them will actually decrease the perception of sourness in the wine. Now, I know the word sourness is like, well, cool, Keith, and I don't want sourness in my wine, so it's totally cool. Sourness in wine is actually part of the complexity of a wine. And when you decrease it too much, the wine will tell will actually mellow out, which is cool, and taste more sweet, which is cool. But if that sourness is not there, that sweet and mellow might be just like a gunky nothing, and it won't make the wine vibrant on the palate with the dish. So here we are again, matching a thing with a thing. If we match the acid in the wine with the acid in the dish... What we'll do is we'll up that sour level to kind of cut through the mellow and sweet and balance the wine so that the dish and the wine are both complementary on the palate. For example, if you have a Pinot Grigio, which has a very high acid to it, but it has a little bit of mellow to it, and you pair that with a lemon pasta dish, it's going to be a nice pairing because the sourness is going to be amped up because of the acid meeting the acid from the citrus, 
and you're still going to enjoy the starchiness of the pasta and the mellow notes of the wine, but the accentuated acidity is going to be a nice contrast and it's going to play around on your palate and you're going to love it. If you pair a very acid Sauvignon Blanc with a lemon roasted chicken with some goat cheese, my gosh, what's going to happen is the mellowness of the goat cheese, which just still is a dry cheese, will help lift up that sourness in the wine as well, along with the citrus, and it'll just calm and coat the palate like you wouldn't believe. And this is why you may have heard a lot of people like to sip sparkling wine with oysters, because sparkling wine has acidity, but the bubbles actually amplify that perception of acidity, and oysters are often doused in a very kind of like vinegary sauce, so acid, acid, mellow. And speaking of sparkling wine, you might also hear that people like to drink sparkling wine with fried chicken. Why is that? Well, salty and fatty foods often suppress the astringency in wine and make wines taste a little bit sweeter. And with sparkling wine, because of the vibrant acidity and the even more per higher perception of acidity because of the, the, the bubbles, getting a little bit more of that sweetness is okay. It doesn't overwhelm the palate. What about wine and cheese, Keith? Oh, that's right. I love wine and cheese parties, don't you? Wine and cheese parties are awesome. Cheese plates, wine. Here's a tip about wine and cheese. And you'll pretty much always enjoy it. And you're going to love this because it's awesome for weeknights and for parties. And I'll tell you why. Okay. The best wines to pair with cheese, any cheese really, are young reds and young whites. How cool is that? Young wine is more affordable. It's usually the wines that are brought to parties. And young wines tend to be sweeter. So we're matching the sweetness of the wine with the sweetness of the cheese. So we're accentuating the savory notes of the cheese and the saltiness while still enjoying the wine. It's a beautiful world, wine lovers. Beautiful world. I mean, older, more mature wines that have, you know, that have aged, and we, you know, we talk about how wines age, those wines redu are, are reduced a little bit. They're a little more leaner, a little more focused, and they can you can pair them with cheese. It's a little trickier because sometimes, depending on the wine, it can get lost with the cheese. So just to be safe, throw down on some young reds and young whites and have yourself a night. Now, I'm hoping all of this helps you guys out. Just these little things to know when you're, when you're thinking about it. And you don't always have to have a parallel tasting. It doesn't have to match and match and match. Everything's so different. Every wine is different. Every dish is different. There's so many things happening in both, and it really takes some experimentation to, to, to like find what works and what doesn't work for you and your palate alone. But let's say that that pasta dish with the lemon sauce is a little bit creamy. The Pinot Grigio would still go great with it, even though it has a little bit of cream. But because of that cream and that softness, a Chardonnay might also go with that because it does have good acidity in it, but less than the Pinot Grigio, and it still might work. The Chardonnay pairing with the pasta is a more of a contrasting pairing, where the Pinot Grigio with the pasta is more of a parallel pairing. I could go on and on and on about this subject, but how do we apply this? Okay, so let's wrap this up, or I'll just ramble for another hour. <laughs> In a restaurant setting, you often have help, right? You're like, I want this dish, and the person helping you, whether they're a sommelier or just somebody who knows the wine, will help you pair and match. And they'll talk, and you can even talk about, oh, this is a lemon pasta. Do you have any acidic wines and all this? You can do that. When you're cooking at home, whatever recipe you're using or making, you know, if you, if you, if you, can, if you know the dominant sweetness or acidicness of that 
dish that you're making, you can go to the wine shop and ask for a wine that matches the dominant element in your dish. Now, these aren't hard and fast rules. You know, these are just things to think about to kind of help you pairing food and wine. Because every food's different, every wine's different, every wine, like a Cabernet Sauvignon from one part of the world is different from another part of the world. It's all different, but these are kind of things that kind of help you along. I mean, yes, there are contrasts. I mean, a Pinot Grigio with a steak is not going to work. You know, chocolate and wine doesn't really work. But these ideas will get you on a path to helping you get it. And your, your, your brain and your, and your palate will get it. They'll understand it. You'll have this thing called a sensory adaptation where your, your brain will start adapting to the, to the subtleties of the sweetness and the acidity and the saltiness. And you're gonna, you'll, you'll be in tune with it the more you do it, the more your taste buds get used to it. And kind of look at food and wine pairing as just fun. You know, try some stuff out. If it doesn't work, you'll know it doesn't work and you'll move on. Like I said, as your brain your, and your palate gets more in tune with the subtleties, you'll notice. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm putting down, go ahead and type up a review, maybe even a rating. Tell your friends to subscribe. Let's get this thing all the way up so everybody can learn about wine. I want to give a shout out to Executive Chef Carl Shelton of Jay Vineyards and Winery for talking to me a little bit about food and wine pairing and helping out with this episode. Check me out on Instagram. It's at VinePairKeith. I do all my stuff and stories. And also, you've got to follow VinePair on Instagram, which is at VinePair. And don't forget to listen to the VinePair podcast, which is hosted by Erica, Adam, and Zach. It's a great deep dive into drinks culture every week. Now for some credits. How about that? Wine 101 is recorded and produced by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the VinePair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mellon. I also want to thank Daniel Grinberg for making the most legit Wine 101 logo. And I got to thank Darby Seaside for making this amazing song. I mean, listen to this epic stuff. And finally, I want to thank the Vine Pear staff for helping me learn more every day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Jay Vineyards and Winery. For over 30 years, Jay Vineyards and Winery has developed a reputation as one of the top sparkling and varietal wine producers in California. With styles from bright and bubbly to bold and complex, Jay Wines offer remarkable range and exceptional craftsmanship that you'll want to share. Jay has come to be known for its celebrated estate vineyards, contemporary winery, and world-class hospitality. Uncork joy with Jay and let life bubble over. 